There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm John Patrick Higgins, and these are my strange stories. Why not relax, kick off your shoes, and enjoy the peculiar worlds inside my head, inside John Patrick Higgins. The Bad Ideas Man Paul Holbrook sat down at the bar, his head lowered like a cow at the trough. He wore heavily framed glasses that hid heavily lidded eyes. His white work shirt had frayed gently at the collar and his tie was loose at his throat. The knot was as small and tight as the pit of his stomach. The bar staff, three of them, were so badly dressed that he knew their clothes had to be expensive. They ignored him as they possessed a sense of entitlement that told them they couldn't possibly work in a bar. So they didn't, preferring instead to slouch and chat and play increasingly awful music over the sound system. Paul's body had curled into a perfect capital G, his usual position, part fetus, part forward roll. He raised his head and flourished a tenor in his right hand and, with Herculean effort, fished his phone from his pocket, placing it flat on the bar beside him. The staff continued to ignore him. Excuse me, he said, his voice like piss against a waterfall, as another cacophonous fud-fud tune filled the room. The bar staff acknowledged his presence but made no attempt to move towards him. The phone buzzed angrily, like a wasp in a matchbox. He ignored it, continuing to wave the banknote, now worried into a spindle in his nervous fingers. At last, and with an audible sigh, quite an achievement in the ambience of the room, one of the barmen broke from the pack and loped towards him. Yes, mate, he said. He was tall and handsome with longish-brown hair stuffed into a battered yellow Panama hat. He wore a heavy cardigan unravelling at the sleeves and a T-shirt depicting two robots fucking, a Heath Robinson wet dream of plugs, sockets and aerials. 
Paul felt like a member of the Top of the Pops audience encountering Ziggy Stardust for the first time. Large whiskey, please, said Paul. Oh, which one? said the barman. Uh, we have Royal Brackler, Old Pultnery, Glenord, the Dalmore, Yamazaki, Kaku Bin, Porter Skaig, Laugh the Cheapest, said Paul. No ice. The boys sauntered over to the optics and Paul viewed fully six inches of his anal crack without pleasure. The drink was plonked down on the bar and Paul pushed a coaster under it. The boy took his money, replaced it with very small change and swanked back to his mates without another word. Paul wrapped his fingers around the tumbler, enjoying the gecko belly pads of his fingers through the glass. Drawing it to his lips, he savoured the bite of the liquid on the flat of his tongue, relishing the burning sensation and waiting for the flavour to emerge. Bushmills, he thought. Ah well. Things had not been going well for Paul, and this drink wasn't going to help, but the next one might, and the one after that. Paul was in a lot of debt. This was not uncommon. Everybody was in a lot of debt these days. Debt was normal. It was to be encouraged. But other people seemed to manage debt with ease, holidaying each year, buying cars and inessential white goods, without it impacting on their standard of living, enhancing it even. Paul had no such gift. He had a head-in-the-sand approach to bill-paying. His flat was littered with unopened envelopes, with little cellophane windows telling him they knew just where to find him, and that there was no escape. Every three or four months he would tackle the pile, like a womble possessed, overtaken with a choking sense of dread. There would be phone calls to the bank where he sobbed like a penitent seeking absolution, there would be artless deployment of credit cards, the tapping of friends and relations and the sleepless nights, and somehow he would muddle through it. He would survive a debtor's prison for another few months. Well, not this time. This time he was going to put his house in order. So he quite calmly sat down and made an inventory of his income and his outgoings, arranged everything neatly, checked the dates that he was paid, tallied with his standing orders, his obligations, and the debts he had taken on to pay off some of his previous debts, and when he finished, he set his head in his hands and quietly despaired. Putting his house in order had been a bad idea. If he had never quite attained a state of blissful ignorance, his panicked suspicions were at least fleeting. This knowledge, this certainty, was nullifying. It crushed the life out of everything, draining all colour from the world except for the warm amber glowing in the glass in front of him. He'd be a drunk! It didn't look like a bad life, wandering around, shouting at lampposts and traffic, shitting in the park. It'd be fine in the summer, and in winter, well, maybe you'd get lucky and die of hypothermia. Everybody had to catch a break eventually. He ordered another drink, then he ordered another couple of times until somebody served him. It was just after the whiskey had arrived, and he pressed it to his lips, not yet drinking it, enjoying the honeyed scent that he realised he was no longer alone in the bar. Sat next to him was a tall, balding man with a grizzled beard and a deep bronze tan. 
In front of him on the bar counter was a pipe and, bafflingly, as Paul had not seen any of the bar staff shift from their corner, a glass of red wine. As Paul glanced at him, the man's head turned and greeted him with a beaming, perfect smile. Paul was surprised to see that despite his age, and he must have been at least sixty, his bottom lip was pierced. Hello, he said. Hello, said Paul, refusing to make eye contact. The man sat there smiling at Paul in silence. He could feel the man's interest physically like sun rays on skin. He felt a powerful urge to turn towards him, and at last he did. Can I help you, mate? he said. The man's smile widened further, and Paul wondered again at those perfect teeth sitting in that cracked leather face, a tiara resting on a window cleaner's chamois. No, no, he said, merely introducing myself to my fellow bacchanalian. We shall be brothers in our cups, eh? Blood may be thicker than water, but wine is thicker than both. A toast, then, to the grape and the good. Paul didn't need this. As the old man brandished his glass, he called down to the bar staff. Hey, lads, could you turn that music up? They complied enthusiastically, throwing cultish shapes to the ensuing din, until almost at once the music stopped, so quickly that the last notes seemed to resonate in the air. Of wine, women and song, the least of these is song, said the old man. There are no women here, and that, he gestured to the bar staff who were busy pulling out wires from the back of the speakers, was no song. But there is still wine. Sweet, sweet wine. Paul looked over at the man's drink. The bottle was one of those screw-top, single-glass efforts, the type they give you on planes. The label read, Cherry Blossom Ridge. Yeah, I bet that's some sweet, sweet wine, thought Paul. There was not going to be any escaping this guy now, at least until he could finish his drink and move on to another bar. He was about to ask him something, anything, when he noticed the man's lips. They were perforated with tiny, delicate holes, hundreds of them. They were hard to make out when he had his back to the bar's window, but when he turned as he did now, he could see they were peppered with tiny, horseshoe-shaped shadows. Paul was so unnerved, he didn't at first hear the man's question. The man asked it for a second time. Could you point me in the direction of the little boy's room, Paul? I have to tinkle. Paul waved vaguely in the direction of the toilets and the man rose to his feet. He was well over six feet tall and solidly built. He wore a black belted trench coat with the collar up and as he strode to the toilet he carried a cane he did not need. The most striking thing about him, the thing that made Paul goggle again, was that he appeared to be wearing leopard-skin leggings. With the man gone, leaving that horrifying mental image in his wake, Paul returned to the business of drinking and thinking. He couldn't get the stranger out of his head. There was something about his voice. It wasn't the things he said. They made him sound like some tiresome old theatrical. But the quality of his voice, the deep, resonating tone... That odd, seductive purr kept replaying in his head. 
It must be an actor, Paul thought. That would explain everything, the teeth, the eccentric dress, the trained voice. No, not everything. It wouldn't explain the hundreds of pinpricks dotting his lips. Maybe he was in the circus, one of those new punk rock circuses they had now, with chainsaws and people nailing their cocks to planks. He was probably covered from head to toe in tattoos and called something like Porcupine Jack or the Pincushion. Well, that was it. It solved everything. He relaxed for a moment, enjoying this brief moment of satisfaction. In an instant it was gone, and something troubling and new took its place. The circus didn't solve everything. In fact, it didn't solve anything at all. It could have been a workable solution, but for one salient fact. The man had called him Paul. They had never met before, of that he was certain. This was not a man you could easily forget, despite your best efforts. Therefore, he must have been informed. He must have had prior knowledge and specialist information. But to what end? It was true that Paul owed a lot of money to a lot of people, but they were legitimate businesses. They had protocols in place, a raft of entirely legal censures and punishments for their defaulters. They would be unlikely to send a heavy. It had to be a friend or relative then. Paul had a reputation amongst his ever-decreasing circle of friends, but surely he hadn't strayed this far over the line. Surely they weren't putting the frighteners on him. And besides, who sends a pensionable hippie as intimidation, however fucked his mouth was? It was an insult. The old guy was big and he had a stick, but Paul was only 34. Maybe that was it. Literally adding insult to injury. He pictured himself pinned to the barroom floor, the old man's scraggly beard tickling his chin, that sixty-watt smile framed by beveled lips. That was it. Somebody hated him so much they had sent a rainbow warrior to beat him up. It had to be Mum. Only she would have the time, the money and the vindictive streak to put something like this together. A large, flat hand landed on his shoulder. Here we go, he thought. Better out than in, they say, Paul, said the man. But surely it's the transition that's the most piquant point. Those two fleeting seconds after the urinary stream has hit the porcelain, and the tremor echoes back through the flow and into the bladder itself, even as you squeeze against it, so that the frisson repeats, echoing backwards and forwards inside and outside. Surely it is that moment one feels most vividly alive. What is this? thought Paul. Is he taking the piss? I mean, is he actually taking the piss? Who are you? he said. How the fuck do you know my name? The man turned away and delicately picked up the wine glass by its stem, pushing the bulb under his nose as though enjoying the wine's bouquet. How the fuck do I know your name? he said slowly in his shimmering voice. The voice actually wasn't especially deep, and it wasn't particularly loud, though it filled every part of the room, seemingly without effort. It just fell out of the man's mouth. If it had a definable quality, it was its warmth. It was a kind voice, a caring voice, 
but more than that it was a voice that made you want to be kind to it its softness its smokiness its sensual grist as a voice it would have made a fantastic whisky Paul found himself no longer minding that the old man was about to deliver a punishment beating on behalf of a friend or family member, just as long as he kept talking. How the fuck do I know your name? Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The man rolled the words around in his mouth as though gargling. Well, Paul, I've come here to find you. I've come here to give you something. Still smiling, he raised his hand to his face and taking the ring between his thumb and forefinger, pulled it through the plump flesh of his lip. Blood arced over the bar counter and down onto his leopard-skinned thighs. He placed the bloody ring in front of Paul, who looked on in horror. That's yours, he said. Keep it. I don't want it, said Paul. You do want it. Put it in your pocket. Paul picked up the ring and placed it in the breast pocket of his shirt, where a bubblegum pink sea appeared immediately. The two men continued to sit next to one another. One tall, smiling, with blood gushing down his face, the other staring, pale and expressionless behind his glasses. There were tiny ping pricks of blood on the big man's teeth. What do you say, Paul? Thank you very much for my gift. You're very welcome, Paul. You know, that ring was just for you. There isn't another like it in the whole world. Like you, it's very special. Paul felt drunk, though his whisky sat practically untouched on the bar in front of him. Spots of blood like pink snowflakes were blooming on the paper coaster. He smiled at the man. When he spoke, his voice was low and thick, as though he were suppressing a yawn. Oh, I am not so very special. But Paul, you are special. 
I wouldn't give my last ring to just anyone, now would I? Look at my lips. See the holes. Each one from a ring. Hundreds of them. And my tongue, too. He pushed his tongue out. It was fat, pointed, and very red, with hundreds upon hundreds of tiny black punctures covering it. Paul reeled. It was like a giant strawberry. See, Paul? And you're the last. Not bad, eh? The man picked up the coaster and started a dab at his torn lip. One of the barmen loped over with a look of consternation on his face. Look, guys, he said. I don't know what's going on, but could you take it outside, yeah? Fuck off, said the man gently. The boy brightened immediately. Cool, he said, lifting the hatch and exiting through the bar's door and out into the high street. Please, said Paul. Who are you? Ah, yes, well, here we have come to the crux of the matter, haven't we? At last we get to find out what makes you so special, Paul. You see, I've never told any of them. He indicated his puckered mouth. But you're the last, so I'm going to tell you. I'm a bit frightened, said Paul in a thick voice. He was still smiling even as his eyes filled with tears. Perfectly understandable. After all, I could just be some nut. He gave a short bark of laughter. You wouldn't be the first to think it. I mean... Look at me. He spread his arms wide, the coaster still in his hand, and his teeth like blood on snow. Paul didn't want to know anything about him. He just wanted him to go away. He couldn't move. He was rooted to the bar stool. The floor seemed suddenly to be a long way down, and way up there by the bar there was just a mad old man with a hole in his face. I was born like this. I had no choice. I was born with the gift of a golden voice. The words echoed faintly in Paul's memory. He had heard them before. Do you remember the 70s, Paul? Not really. Bits, mostly from the telly. Clackers? Well, the telly is good. Perfect, in fact. There are sitcoms on the telly. Sitcoms set in offices full of young men in tinted glasses and bottle-green suits. Paul shrugged. He was beyond lost. Well, in those offices, if you recall, there were ideas men. The Brains Trust. People whose job it was to innovate, to push concepts, to, as I believe they say now, think outside the carton. There isn't really a modern equivalent. They've been replaced by demographics and crowdsourcing and focus groups. The last thing business needs now is people striking off on their own. Inspiration is death. It's all about the consensus. If somebody sticks their head over the parapet, build a bigger parapet. If they still keep sticking their head over the parapet, lose their head. What you want are a thousand cud-chewing Joe Ordinaries telling you whether they want mint with lemon or mint with lime in their mouthwash. Paul was at a business seminar. He kept his mouth shut. But then there were ideas men, racking their brains. Think about that, Paul. Racking their brains, pulling on it like silly putty, squeezing it, mangling it into different shapes and wringing it like a washcloth into a bucket. Just for ideas. 
Have there ever been a nobler breed of men, torturing themselves in pursuit of a dream? Are you an ideas man? said Paul. No, said the man abruptly. His smile faltered, just a flicker, like a guttering candle, before returning to its customary brilliance. Well, in a way, yes, I suppose I am. You might call me a bad ideas man. Paul, tell me, are you familiar with the term psychopomp? Paul wasn't. Ah, oh, well, no matter. The thing that you must have noticed about me is my voice, and probably my smile as well. They are the tools of my trade. I'm a convincer, a flatterer, a persuader. I tell people to do things and they do them. Sometimes they would have done them anyway and I'm just speeding the shuttle along. Sometimes I suggest things to them they would never have thought of in a million years. Things that are completely out of character. Things that leave friends and family utterly bewildered. Why did she do it, they say? It just wasn't like her. Because I'll tell you this, Paul. The people whom I talk to, whom I advise, well, it doesn't end well for them. I whisper, worm-tongue that I am, and people die. They would have died anyway, but we all have our obligations, Paul. You've got to have something to fill the empty hours. Until now. You're my last one. I had a mouthful of rings once. Amber rings for my honeyed words, silver for my tongue, gold chains trailing into eager ears. I gave them up, gave them away, until at last there's you, Paul. Finally, there's you. The man slowly eased himself out of his bar stool. He seemed larger now, the brazen face darker, his smile like a slice cut from his head against the white of the window behind him. He grabbed at his pipe and placed it in the pocket of his great black coat. Then he reached for his cane. Paul shrank back into his stool. What are you going to do to me? The man towered over him. There was silence in the bar excepting the low electric hum of the lights. Paul was an island, unreachable, disconnected from his surroundings. I'm not going to do anything to you, Paul. Why would I want to, eh? Why would I need to? You're going to do it all yourself. He patted Paul gently on the head and turned, walking out through the pub's entrance. Paul watched him duck his head beneath the door and slip away to the right, the tail of his long black coat snapping behind him, the silver-headed cane a flash of white, and then gone. Paul turned back to the bar. His drink was still there and he downed it quickly, the glass shaking in his hand. One of the barmen approached him, sniffing the air like a nervous animal. You all right, mate, he said. That bloke was a bit intense, wasn't he? What did he say to you? Paul looked at the wet ring on the counter in front of him, at his empty glass and at the still full glass of wine next to him. The empty, screw-top bottle. Shut the fuck up and get me another drink, he said, without looking up. 
Inside John Patrick Higgins was brought to you by the colour blue and the letter G. Written and performed by John Patrick Higgins, it was produced and edited by Graham Watson. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.